0: joe how are you surviving winter
1: man um not well (laughs) i think i get cold very easily and i don't love it so it's not always the most enjoyable time of the year other than christmas which is the most wonderful time of the year yes it is but when it gets cold outside it's just so harsh and sad and not fun and so what i do is i always have Well, I almost always have like a hoodie or a crew neck or something. And then I'll have a coat on top and I'll have my boots on most likely. Um, that keep my feet warm. And other than that, really, I just have to suck it up. Like right now my feet are cold. And I can't do anything about it. And it just, it sucks. And that's just winter, you know?
0: Yep. That's in, indeed a very good strategy. You need to find something that you can put on and then just keep on for a long period of time that will keep you warm. In addition, my strategy is to get a lot of light on my face at all times so I don't fall asleep. So as, as always, I mentioned the two lights in my room. And yeah, that's that's the secret is even though you can't get the sun, you have to pretend that the sun is out and then your body will thank you for it.
1: That's a really a good strategy because like, it, it reminds me, have you seen Ad Astra?
0: yes yes i have it was okay it was mildly okay
1: okay yeah i mean i liked it it wasn't the best movie but in that movie he has this this room that like simulates what earth light would be like because he's on mars i think at the time which is like a really good strategy for tricking your brain into thinking that it's you know not terrible outside
0: (laughs) yep that's the secret and what oh yeah it's the martian that the that there's the rotating ship that simulates gravity so that they can exercise and to do literally anything and it won't feel any different than earth that's what i'm thinking of i think
1: i think yeah and then also did you say passengers or did you say the martian i'm
0: thinking of the martian but it might be in passengers too
1: okay because i think it is in passengers and then also it's i think it's interstellar as well which we both love we both talked well have we talked about that yet
0: No, we haven't. We need to put that on the list for a spoiler review of Interstellar, one of the great Christopher Nolan films. It's going on right now.
1: It's funny because Jesse was asking me about watching Inception tonight, and then I informed him that it was two and a half hours long. And he was like, no, thank you.
0: (laughs) In conclusion, February is the worst month, but then you get through to the end and it's all okay.
1: I agree. Once you're through February, you get to March, and then March is springtime. And the more you progress through springtime, the warmer it gets. And then it's summertime, (laughs) the best time of the year.
0: The most wonderful time. And one strategy for surviving is to rely on good books and audiobooks to get you through. And that was one kind of life hack I've realized lately. I've been like reintroduced audiobooks because I wanted to get through Harry Potter but I also wanted to go about my life and exercise and do things around the house and you know you can't do both at once unless you download the audiobooks by Jim Dale who narrates them for you and then you can you know crank them up to 2x speed and you before you know it you've read or in my case listened to most of Harry Potter and it's amazing it's great. Joe what is your relationship with audiobooks? Do you like them? Do you not like them? Are you indifferent?
1: You know it's been a long time since I've used an audiobook because most Most often, if I'm reading something, it's because I want to read it. And if I want to read it, I'm going to take my time with it. But in high school, I used them a lot because they were books that I didn't want to read all the time, but I had to. So I had to find a way to get through, you know, X amount of chapters before, you know, class in the morning, which happened quite frequently. We were in the same literature class. You know how that is. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there were many, many, you know, nights that audiobooks got me through because I was able to set them on, you know, two times speed and and just like get through it. You know what I mean? So they're definitely helpful, but I haven't used them like recently. And I've always wanted to try Audible, but I've just never gotten around to it because I kind of because it's kind of expensive, but also... Is it like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's in that in that weird middle ground. But, you know, Audible should sponsor us because they sponsor every podcast in the world where they say go to audible.com slash link, and then, you know, we'll make lots of money and so on. So if Audible is listening, they can definitely feel free to do that. But I agree, it, it's like, feels expensive to me which is why i haven't bought it but in the grand scheme of things it isn't terrible i just opt to go to overdrive which is the service through our library and then i can just borrow the audiobooks Uh, granted you might have to wait a while for them to be free but i can borrow them
1: so i've never heard of overdrive but i have heard of hoopla is that different or like Same or sister companies, or
0: they're run by the same company. Hoopla is like the updated version of OverDrive. It's two different apps, but I believe it's the same catalog. Don't quote me on that. Okay, one is just like the quote unquote more updated app, and one is just the more like two thousand five app. And I'm just still on the two thousand five version of the app because why not?
1: Gotcha, gotcha. And I I, yeah, I, I used Hoopla a couple of times, and that's really helpful because you're able to like rent them. Like, borrow the, I think, isn't that the system? Like, you borrow the books and then, like, you have a certain amount of days.
0: Yeah, it's like three people can have the audiobook at the time and then you can. You know, once you you're ready to turn it in, someone else can use that slot. So it's like artificially constraining how many people can use the audiobook at once. But you know, on the upside, it's free, which is great if you're a poor college student.
1: Definitely check those out if you haven't, because they're they're definitely useful. And honestly, I should get back into them because they could help me finish a lot of books that I've started and not finished.
0: Yep, our class is assigning us to read Ender's Game, and sadly, the book is really popular, so the audio none of the audiobooks are free. But I've checked it out, and hopefully, it'll be free before
1: too long. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: And before we get off the topic of books, one book you've been reading is house five. How's that going?
1: Yes. So it's been really, really good. I think last week's episode, I was, I think I was something like maybe two or three chapters in or something. And I didn't, at the time I didn't understand exactly what was going on. So I think that in my like little mini review, I didn't, I didn't speak very highly of it because I was kind of confused about it. I was trying to look for deeper meanings when I probably shouldn't have been. So right now, as of now, I'm like midway through the second to last chapter. So I'm almost done. And I'm honestly sad about it because it's a really, really, really interesting book. So I mentioned last week, it's about, um, you know, Kurt Vonnegut, the writer was in Dresden in World War II at the time it was bombed and he survived. And it's sort of, I feel like his way of getting through some of the emotions that go along with seeing what he saw and he does that through a fictional character and so that kind of confused me and then some other things in the story because it's a science fiction story so there's like science fictiony things that
0: yeah things are all over the place
1: yes exactly so if you read it it's a science fiction book but i loved it i love it i'm almost done with it but I, i think that my official review as of now is that it's phenomenal and that you should definitely read it if you haven't. I know I'm like 60 years late to the party because it came out in like 1968 or something. Um, But definitely, definitely read it if you can, if you haven't. If you have, reread it, because it's really good. So yeah, that is my official review of the book. Well, what book of Narnia or Harry Potter are you on?
0: Right now I'm on Harry Potter and The Order of the Phoenix, which is book five. This is when the book started to get kind of dark, because, you know, it's like books one, two, three, four. Okay, we're all airy and light and happy, and, you know, this is intended for children. But now the children have grown up, so the books are going to grow up with them. It's the second longest book in the entire series, because five is reasonably long. Six is medium, and then seven is super long after that. So second longest book in the series, and it starts to explore the more dark themes, because as Harry is going through the troubling times in his life, again, you know, spoiler free review and everything, but if you know, you know, Harry's going through troubling times in his life, and as a result is not behaving as happily as he used to, and so he's taking that out on his friends who are taking that out on other people, and just, yes, there's still some of that humor, but the jolly aspects that you have gotten used to in the rest of the series, it just, that's out the window, and now everything is just you know, a bit sad and gray, it can even be seen on the cover it's like this blue cover of him in this mysterious room I re- actually really like that it, that it went to the darker direction, because i think book four isn't bad but especially this can be seen in the movie it's things are starting to get a bit samey because it's like this very formulaic harry's with the dursleys and they're torturing him and being mean he goes to school has all sorts of adventures something is not right at the school and that can you know he's not paying attention to school because he's so busy like trying to figure out what's going wrong and then at the end he addresses the wrong and then wow everything's magically taken care of look look at that and by book four you're like all right same old formula same old formula but he actually the wrong that happens he is not able to well okay spoiler time spoiler horn cedric diggory is not able to escape alive harry is so harry's almost left with this kind of survivor's guilt about if only i could have acted differently then cedric would have been able to survive this whole ordeal and then he feels bad and then everyone feels bad it's like voldemort this was the first like he's done bad things in the past but this is the first time we've actually seen him do anything bad and and as that our characters have been around for so he's he's killed this boy in cold blood and now harry's like all right now this is definitely a real threat what are we gonna do from here on out it's like things aren't as clear cut as like here comes the villain let's defeat him right away here comes the villain let's defeat him right away things are like okay the villain's actually making good ground and like granted yes you know the you know good guys are gonna mostly win etc but it's like kind of adventure style at what cost how many people are gonna have to die before (laughs) before the the voldemort Mm -hmm. and his followers are taken care of so i really think it represents a good turning point for like the last three books, which are it, it's extreme to say more adult, but like they're less children's books and more young adult slash teenager books. If that's a, if that's a genre, mm-hmm. so it's a really good one.
1: Yeah, and we've talked about. I mean, I've, we've talked about the movies. I haven't read the books, but like as you go, like by the time you get to the seventh, it's like you can even tell that the colors are like more gray and dark and brown than than they were before. And it was very colorful in the movies. Like I noticed that. The dialogue, obviously, everything that's happening is darker. So so what I wanted to ask was, is the fifth one where Dolores Umbridge comes in?
0: Yes, it is. Okay. And Dolores Umbridge is, can be considered worse than Voldemort because everything she does is personal. Voldemort was never personal he was just uh, let me you I'll need to get out of my, either move out of the way or I'll kill you mm-hmm. but it was never personal he's just like I want to be in power and I'm just going to kill you if you're in my way everything Umbridge does is is very much personal which is why you hate her more than Voldemort and want to you know see her be basically killed even though she sadly survives. So we've been enjoying all these good books, and we've also been enjoying movies over our winter boring season. And one interesting thing I've been thinking about this year is the fact that movie theaters are essentially a dying breed used to you would g- get excited and go to them on opening night and it would be amazing and it'd be this great experience but obviously with 2020 that was definitely taken down a notch and with the rise of things like disney plus basically these companies are trying to skip the middleman and get the movies straight to you and just have you pay money for them instead of going through this entire other party so honestly i'm curious to think about what the role of movie theaters will be in the future will these companies basically want everyone to just buy a big 4k TV and buy everything for $35 when it comes out? And will that be the new business model? Or is there still a place for movie theaters is my question. I'm curious to get your take on this.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, so obviously, I think that it's decently clear that movie theaters have been kind of on the way out. And and, and when I say all this, I love movie theaters, like I love to go to the movies. And it's one of my favorite experiences to, like, go and see a movie in in that space and in that atmosphere. Um, but it's obvious that they're not doing too hot because, I mean, 20 years ago, you could buy a movie ticket. I've been told by my parents. 20 years ago, you could buy a movie ticket for, like, 10 Well, not even ten bucks, like six bucks, five bucks, six bucks,
0: which is basically free by today's standards.
1: Exactly, and and I'm betting you that the concessions weren't nearly as expensive either. So they've been upping the prices because they know that it's getting harder and harder and harder to make money. What that does for a consumer like me, at least, is that it makes me more hesitant about which movies I go see because if it's going to cost me like fifteen bucks to go see a movie and some popcorn. I'm going to not go to every single movie. I'm going to choose my movies wisely. Yeah. So they've been on the way out for a while. That's just the hard truth. But with COVID, right? They're just, they got really, really, (laughs) really caught with their pants down. And like, it's going to be very hard for them to come back from this loss of revenue during this time. And so, like you said, that's why we've seen stuff like Disney Plus with like Mulan or HBO Max with Wonder Woman 84. Mm -hmm. um stuff like that which makes it easier and it's safer but you're right in that it's really because they just want to skip the middleman and save the money they're spending to get the movies to them and just get it straight to you instead um which is good and it's efficient but in my opinion i really like the movie theaters and i would hate to see them all gone but that seems like the way it's going with just technology and the way that things are now yeah so that, that's my take on it. What do you think?
0: I would be surprised if movie theaters ever totally went away, but I wouldn't be surprised if it became more of a commodity than anything else. Like, oh, isn't this quaint? Just like we go to you know, play ar- arcade machines and so on. It's like, yes, there are the serious people who have 35 of them in their garage, but for, mo- for the most part, it's like, we don't consider this to be super serious entertainment. We're just like, let's, you know, check it out from time to time. I think it's going to be the same deal for movie theaters where everyone has, you know, their 4K Ultra HD set up in their basement and so on. And it's like, we like to go to that, but, you know, if we're if we're nearby and so on, we might as well pay pay too much money to go to the, the fancy version of it in a movie theater. I don't think I like them as much as you, Joe. Honestly, I can never unthink about how, like, many people have touched the seat in front of me and how there's like random gum everywhere and how no one's ever cleaned anything since 1995. <laughs> then again, it's honestly, you can power through when it comes to like Avengers in game opening night or Spider-Man opening night. We can just, you know, sit with a bunch of other fans and just, you know, scream your way through. So it's, it's definitely going to be sad if they go, but I'm not going to be too, too upset or anything. I'm not going to cry about it.
1: And I think you're right. And like, there are movie theaters that I can think of that, like I've passed through in small towns and like, um, there's one that I can think of that we go to in Florida um, because it's fun, and they have you know Pac- Mrs. Pac-Man, and my dad loves that, and so we go and we spend too much money on games that we could probably download digitally <laughs> and play that way. But it's it's an experience, and that's what you pay for. So um, you're totally right. I really really love that example of of our, our you know an arcade because. Like, I think we've always known that it's going to cost too much money, and that's why a lot of people wait until it comes out on Netflix or Disney or whatever, you know. It used to be Redbox. I remember when it was Redbox. Personally, it makes me sad, but it looks like it's, it's where it's going, which is unfortunate, but you're right. I don't think it'll ever die out fully but it does make me sad that it's kind of declining.
0: Yeah, the two interesting examples of it declining are Tenet, which even though we love it and have talked ad nauseum about the many mysteries of Tenet, it did lose a lot of money. There was one article that estimated that it was going to lose up to $100 million. They had expected that it was going to be released in theaters and make lots and lots of money in theater. Obviously Christopher, Nolan, everyone's going to you know go buy those $20 tickets so they can see his, his latest work, obviously, because it's a big name. That being said, they weren't able to make that back because it was released during a pandemic, and so there weren't that many sales, and the ones that were weren't going to really be in theaters and so they had spent all this money expecting to get it back and then uh-oh now they can't get it back because that is just taken away from them it's the same deal with the james bond film no time to die which keeps getting delayed it's been delayed for the third time and it's this deal of like can should we be waiting until until the theaters are open again and we can make our money back or should we be just releasing it and cut our losses because i think it was supposedly done for like almost two years at this point and because it was most of it was filmed in 2019. So it's been done for either two years or almost two years. And they're like, eh, we don't want to release it just yet. We want to actually make our money back and not be out like ridiculous amounts of money. So it was kind of it's kind of this interesting dynamic of like, had you known, you just would have gone, you know, easy on the budget and then you could have made it all back. But yeah, I think it's just an interesting turning point of, OK, we're going to have to be more careful in the future because we don't we don't know what the future holds and we can't guarantee anything.
1: That's an interesting point, because it makes me think, do you think that because movie producers and distributors can't make as much money from movie theaters that like, because of that, do you think that they would have to sort of not have as big of a budget for movies and therefore make not as good movies?
0: I think it would have to sort of happen at both ends. I think that they would have to spend slightly less on budgets. again, not knowing what I'm talking about, just making stuff up here. I think they would have to not spend as much as like crazy hundreds and hundreds of millions on the budget of movies. And then, so they spend a little less there. And then I think it also was up to the consumer to get more comfortable with the idea of, like, if there's something we really want to watch, we're just going to pay $35 to get the, you know, like, copy of it in our own home, which I... Feel like people don't really want to do right now. They're used to going and paying thirty five at the theater, but like paying that at home, like that's a rip I'm not going to do that. So I think if the consumer is willing to sort of meet them halfway and pay more, if the movie studios are willing to meet them halfway and spend less crazy <laughs> amounts of money, I think that could potentially work out. And then we get to you know the ultimate end game where <laughs> the theaters are just like there's five of them and you go there for fun on your birthday.
1: Yeah. So actually, speaking of end game, here's a here's an interesting example because I think I don't know how much they spent. I want to say it's like two hundred fifty or three hundred million. On production,
0: yeah, insane amounts of money. Yeah, that they made back in 50, 50 minutes, basically.
1: Literally, yeah. And I think that movie ended up making like two point four billion dollars or something, which is like the highest grossing film of all time. But can you imagine for a second if that had happened in a pandemic where they may have only made now okay, only eight hundred like let's let's say like eight hundred million, right? Like that's an insane amount of money, but. For $300 million of production budget, like a $500 million gain is still a lot. But, like, do you think that they would have spent as much money as they did if they were only going to make back so much? Yeah. And it gets
0: really tight at that point because you have to pay everyone and then you're hoping, you're expecting this return for your other TV shows and movies that are coming up. And, like, things can get really tight if it gets messed up.
1: I would be kind of scared to see, like, if movies think that they're only going to make a certain amount, they'd only give a budget of so much to a certain project which would yield a less good project for the consumer. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: it's a tricky question, and I don't have all the answers, but I do have one evidence to sort of prove that it doesn't result in a less good product, which is Mm. the current running Marvel Cinematic Universe TV show, WandaVision. You've probably heard of it. And my review of it thus far, and again, no spoilers, it's new. I'm not going to spoil it for a long time because it's, you know, doing the dumb thing where the episodes come out every week and you can't just get to the end already. But, you know, it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. So my review of it is it is basically an MCU movie. It has the same executive producer, which is Kevin Feige, and has some of the same people who are involved with the movies and has a large budget. Supposedly it had like $25 million per episode or somewhere in the neighborhood of that. So it's, again, it's almost like it is a movie. It has this giant budget and it feels... Very much when you're watching at home, like it is a Marvel movie. It just so happens that you only get, you know, 30 to 40 minute chunks of it at once, and then you have to wait a long time for the next chunk, which is super annoying. But that's sort of part of it. So that makes me think that you can get this delivered to people, especially for, you know, big budgets, whatever. But for less, again, that's less of a budget than they were operating on before they're delivering a great product and people are happy to sign up to Disney plus. And if enough people sign up to Disney plus for whatever it is a month, that's a decent way for them to pay for everything. And Oh, look at that. You just cut out the middleman and basically you can get high quality stuff pretty much right away. And it's just, everyone's happy in theory. If you can get there, getting there's the hard part.
1: And you're right. I mean, it's a great example of like something with a, with a decently large, but still kind of not large budget. That is a really, really good product because like And I've seen, I, I really, I like it a lot, and I think that it's a very, very cool show. And if you haven't seen it, go watch it, because it's really good. But I think it's, it's not absurd to think that they could make it work with less of a budget, especially for something like, you know, Disney, where i feel like they've kind of they're they're kind of rolling in it you know what i mean they've got money to spare so
0: like poor marvel play the sad violin because they have you know billions of dollars in the bank yeah but this again just looking at it as a case study it's a very interesting thing to think about
1: yeah 100 percent.
0: and so that begs the question which streaming service is the best we're going to be ranking some streaming services tonight get them in the nice tier list we've got netflix amazon prime disney plus hulu hbo max youtube originals even though no one really likes them and peacock so the question is which ones are the best and if I could only have one, mm. are we saying for Amazon Prime, are we saying only things that come free or are we counting the ability to pay four dollars to rent stuff? I, I wouldn't personally count four dollars to rent stuff because that's kind of outside of the Amazon Prime ecosystem.
1: Yeah, it would be only fair to, to just count stuff you can get with this subscription.
0: OK, so if I could only watch one of these, I would honestly have to go Disney Plus because they have literally every all the movies from when i was a kid and in a relatively timely manner they're gonna have all the mcu stuff again star wars related stuff basically you can look up a map and find out that disney owns literally every company there ever is basically and you'll just basically get all this stuff and you will just have it with you on all of your devices so if i can only use one i would have to make a disney plus and then again i guess i'd find a loophole where i just go over to other people's houses and watch their stuff but at the same time i'm gonna put that in my own personal first place
1: uh, see that's it's really, really hard because I think a couple of years ago, <laughs> I most definitely would have said Netflix because a couple of years ago, Netflix had Parks and Rec. It had The Office. It had Friends. It had that 70s show. It had New Girl. It had, like, it had everything. It had all of it.
0: And I feel like what you're about to say is what I 100% agree with, which is that Netflix has taken an extreme turn for the worse, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> yes. I See, and I still like it, but... It's not the same as it used to be because a couple of years ago, before the other companies had figured out that if they made their own streaming service, they could make more money. Netflix had it all. I mean, it was unprecedented. I mean, it had Doctor Who. It had like oh, all sorts man. of movies.
0: It's like crazy to right.
1: Like <laughs> yeah, it's like it had Mad Men. It had it had a ton of stuff. And then as you know, media companies figured out that oh hey, if we make our own, we can make more money and. And that's what they're doing. So The Office in Parks and Rec went to Peacock. Friends went to HBO Max. Things like... I think Doctor Who is on... I think it was on Amazon, but now it's on HBO Max. But And I, I don't even know where Mad Men is. I think that's on like... I <laughs> think
0: that's gone. That's into the ether.
1: Yeah. I don't know if they decided where they're going to put it yet. But I think it's on IMDb right now, which is like with ads you can watch. I don't know. Whatever. But I think that it's this is really hard because I still use Netflix a lot. So I think... Then I'm going to say, I think I'm going to say Netflix is my number one.
0: (laughs) Ooh, plot twist. Even
1: though I've acknowledged that it's not great anymore, I still use it a lot. And I still like it a lot.
0: Yeah. Okay. What Netflix strategy is super interesting. And again, this is another case study. Yes, it's a big company with lots of money, but it's like an interesting look at how this thing could be done in theory, which is that you start off, you get people in the door with starting them out with like, here's all these TV shows you want to watch. And this was back when the rights weren't that locked down. But, you know, here's all these TV shows you want. Here's tons of movies you want. And I don't think there was much original content, if any, to begin with, but it's like, we've got you in the door because you want to watch The Office and Friends and, you know, these five other movies. And then there's new stuff and you can always find stuff. And then what we're going to do is sneak very sneakily and very slowly over time. We're going to slowly take some of these things away and swap them out. So hopefully you don't notice, swap them out with extremely, like ridiculously high quality Netflix originals that hundreds and hundreds of million people see and basically become worldwide cults and worldwide phenomena. It's like movies that are stupidly good production quality and it's like they're almost embarrassing to the other people that are trying to make original content there that's so good there maybe that's a good thing for them to do they don't have to play ball with anyone else they don't have to rely on anyone else's rights or anything they're just like we make this stuff we own this stuff as people watch it again we're incentivized to keep making this good stuff because otherwise people won't will just watch it and then stop paying us but we're in control of our own destiny here we're going to make these originals and they're going to come out and people are going to like them and hundreds of millions of people are going to watch them stranger things and the queen's gambit are the two Of the my more recent favorites, obviously, again they're getting older by the moment. But those are the two standouts, and I'm sure there's a ton of other uh, uh, their ones there that I'm not thinking of. So I'd put that in second place because even though it's sad that they've lost a lot of their their luster in the sense of all the big stuff's gone, they have Netflix originals and then like a bunch of smaller stuff. It's it's the smaller stuff is nice. I'll give you that. So that's in second place for me.
1: Mm -hmm. And and just a note on that, like you're so right. They did it so sneakily (laughs) and like because all of a sudden. Like I think as the other companies like figured out that they could make more money, Netflix was like, Oh crap. Like if this happens, we're going to be like screwed. So they started to make their own stuff so that they wouldn't be out of a job when all the other companies took back their property. So I remember watching the ridiculous six came out in like 2015 or 16, which is a stupid movie, <laughs> but it was like one of the first Netflix originals that I watched. And then I don't think anybody took them seriously until stranger things. Um, And then since then you've had like heavy hitters like uh, The Crown or The Queen's Gambit or even um, Tiger King. That was huge. Tiger King was huge. And they've got like sitcoms and like movies, like like you were saying, like Marriage Story and The Irishman, like huge production movies that are honestly not bad. And I really respect them for it. I I like Netflix. (laughs) But I think that my number two would have to be... Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say Disney plus that's, that's, that's an easy one. The interface wasn't good at first and I did not like how it was, but then I got used to it and I like that there's so much stuff on it, um, that I like and that I enjoy. And so, and the fact that they're making new stuff that's really good is awesome too. So I think that that's in my second place
0: one way that i knew it was the future is when we went over to our grandparents house who live in st louis and we wanted to watch the emperor's new groove and of course they didn't have that they have you know the classic grandparent closet of vhs's and some other things but they didn't have emperor's new groove so like okay i guess we're out of luck mm-hmm. oh wait they have a smart tv with disney plus so we're going to go there and they don't have disney plus but we're going to log in using our special credentials here and we're going to go watch the emperor's new groove in hd and we're going to do that in under like four minutes so that's how i knew it was the future you can pay money and you can get access to all of your disney plus stuff wherever you go i think we're still signing. Into this day, so that's fun, and also what I like about Disney Plus is they have all the like the good HD 4K copies of everything, so it's like, want to watch not again, not necessarily 4K, but it's like, if you want to watch the hd copy of the emperor's new group okay here you go find it and click play and i have the hd copies with the correct captions and just everything is nice and exactly how it should be same thing for some of the older stuff that was dvd that would originally be like 480i or something it's it's now everything is hd which i am you know more and more picky about i suppose these days
1: yeah that's a really good point and it's it's very nice to watch stuff that looks good (laughs) i've noticed that like when especially when you like rent something and it's like You can do the SD or the HD and then like, you know, because you're with your friends, you're like SD because we don't want to spend money on renting it. And then you like spend the whole movie and it's like super grainy and stuff. Yeah, it's not good.
0: Spend the whole movie looking at like five pixels. Yeah, we did that. We did that the other night. It was not fun. (laughs) Third spot is going to be Amazon Prime. I mean, love them or hate them. They have a few decent things. <laughs> I mean, what else is there to say? And you know, when it's the fail safe, this doesn't really count as Amazon prime, but it's the failsafe of when you want to pay like four or $5 to get some random thing that you can't get anywhere else you literally can't, it's like, fine, Jeff Bezos, I'm just going to give you $5 and you're going to give me this movie for 48 hours and stuff. And it's like, it's kind of a bit of a last resort in that sense. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's nice that it's there. Like there are times when it's totally fine. We're just going to pay some money to get this random movie that we can't find for anything.
1: Yep. I agree. And I would put Amazon Prime as my number three, too, just because like the user interface is still horrible to this day. Oh,
0: we're no Oh, if we're grading on user interface, I'm going to change my list like significantly.
1: <laughs> well, we don't have to. But like it's it's part of my decision. But I mean, even with that, like they still got some decent stuff. Like I said, technically, you can watch Mad Men on it, but like they've got good stuff. And like you said, with the ability to like rent movies that you would want to watch and that aren't anywhere else like it's it's a decent failsafe, is what i would say
0: okay in my fourth place i'm going to put hulu the things we use hulu for is right now just elementary which is the sherlock show i was talking about the other night and that's that's what hulu specialize in it's like shows you want the show that is not widely available here you go we have it and you know depending on what you're paying for or not paying for it may or may not have ads but it's like you're, you're gonna deal with it because you need to get these these shows
1: for my fourth i would say Honestly, I'm going to go with HBO Max just because like they've got stuff on there that I wouldn't think would be on there. Like the whole like Wonder Woman 84 was just on there. Like I didn't have to pay extra to see it, which was awesome. That's nice. Yeah. And they have like a lot of DC stuff, which DC, DC stuff is not as good as Marvel <laughs> stuff.
0: It's fine. It'll do in a pinch.
1: Exactly. I watched um the new the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey movie, which was OK, but you know, whatever. Uh, And they've got like friends on there, like I said, which I need to watch. I haven't watched all of it, but yeah, I would say that that goes in my fourth spot
0: okay so i've never done anything with hbo max and peacock so those are not going to be on my list so by default my fifth thing on the list is going to be youtube originals and then the six and seven slots are just going to be empty and the reason that youtube premium is cool is because you can get no ads on the entire service like great i never want to see ads ever i just take my money and go go put those ads away now and then the originals are like more incidental there's honestly some good vsauce originals there's a really good series that i like by him called Mindfield. the first episode is free the other episodes might be free because it's been such a long time i don't know i'll research that and put it in the show notes if so but there's a good episode where he actually goes into solitary confinement it's like this documentary where he's like oh, you've probably seen it joe like yep. i think most youtube users have seen it at this point because it's you know very fairly well known but it's like i'm gonna go into this white room and you know we're gonna study for, um, for three days and we're gonna study what solitary confinement does and you know talk to these people so it's a very i'm a sucker for well-produced interesting documentaries there's some pewdiepie ones and some other random garbage that no one no one cares about if you're considering youtube to be a streaming service that actually wins because they have every youtube channel i like and that will outclass everything else so if you want to count that as a street quote unquote streaming service i will put it up high but if you only want to count youtube premium as the offerings as a streaming service i'm putting that in slot five
1: i would say the same well sort of the same. I'd put Hulu in number five, just because Hulu's okay. CSF, where I live, they pay for it. Like, that's our cable in our rooms. It's just cheaper to get, like, a house, a plan for the hell house. So we, that's what we use for, like, live TV, stuff like that. And it's nice, but I don't love, I just don't, I don't know. I just don't like it. I never got used to it, and it's weird, and I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then YouTube Originals, I've never done, and Peacock, I've never done, so... I don't really have any experience with those, although I want to try Peacock because, as previously mentioned, The Office and Parks and Rec are on there, hmm. but this is my year of novelty, so I'm not going to watch things I've already seen before. I'm going to watch new things. I'm currently watching New Girl, which is very good, um, very funny. Anyway, that Vsauce video, so good. On top of that, anything that he really makes is really good anyway.
0: <laughs> That's true.
1: Most definitely check Vsauce out. It's very good. Um and then also just I I had this thought just now in my mind I'm kind of surprised that not all of them have ads on them like Netflix doesn't have ads Disney Plus doesn't have ads HBO Max doesn't have ads and Amazon Prime doesn't have ads because
0: Hulu and YouTube do have ads it's surprising that the other streaming services don't try to kind of double dip and OK, let's get ad money and everyone pays us like, look at us, aren't we? A
1: hundred percent. If I'm if I'm like high up at Netflix or something, are you kidding me? Like now as a consumer, that would suck because I don't like ads. It's just sort of surprising to me that we are where we are and there are ads literally everywhere all over the Internet. Mm-hmm. And there are these little sanctuaries of streaming services where there aren't any ads. And I, it just kind of surprises me. I don't know. I just noticed that.
0: There are really smart people who've talked about this, you know, way more than we have in many meetings and so on. My personal opinion, not knowing anything about anything, is saying that I would consider like what if Netflix had a, like a ninety-nine cent plan or something and it's mm-hmm. like we're gonna give you tons of 30 second ads and you're gonna be sad about it. But you know, if you want to be a broke college student and like watch random stuff on Netflix with your friends, all right. If you can, you know, go in and get more <laughs> beverages from the kitchen and so on when those when those that 30 second ads come on, then you might as well mm-hmm. do it and get a discounted price. And I would, you know, leave the existing People alone because you'll make the existing people mad and and hate you. But it's like you know Netflix. I can see the headline. Netflix introduces like ninety nine cent cheap plan that you know pay ninety nine cents every month and then get all these obnoxious ads. But get it would basically be YouTube at that point where the content is subsidized. And considering how much money large companies have to advertise and get their message in front of tons of people, it's like I think that would more than pay for itself. That might even be. I want to, I mean, I'd hesitate to say for sure because I don't know, but I can imagine that be almost more profitable than the regular paying people.
1: I would almost agree because like the amount of people that use services like Netflix and Amazon and Disney, right? It's astronomical. I mean, like
0: it's hard to find someone that doesn't use it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's a great, that's a great way to say it. And so that just pushes us more towards literally it's a cycle because when cable was the thing, commercials sucked and so you would you know if you had a dvr you'd record it and skip through them or you know and then there was this like golden age of like like i said with netflix i don't maybe like eight years nine years you know and they had everything and you had no commercials on any of it and it's we're sort of exiting that because you know hulu has ads YouTube has ads. I think that Peacock has ads because it's got different plans. I don't think HBO or Disney or Amazon or Netflix have them, but don't quote me on that. Well, I actually do quote me on that on Netflix and Disney. I would know that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's just kind of like we're we're going back to cable. It's just, it's all becoming the same thing because, you know, the people at Netflix were doing their thing and then eventually the advertisers and the companies and the you know, higher ups are going to realize we have to do this to make money because that's what we were doing mm-hmm. and it's going to be more annoying for the consumer, but ultimately that's the way that it has to go because of capitalism, question mark. I don't know. Am, I am I, am I, am I mad at capitalism? I don't know. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Who could say Joe? Who could say i don't know and part of it is that i think disney will definitely never do this because the whole point of disney is like we're a premium brand we're like a family brand it's like we're never gonna have you know ugly ads in here the content's gonna speak for itself so it's clear that like disney plus wants to position itself as like somewhat of a premium ish service maybe it costs you know similar to the rest so on but it wants to appear fairly premium and then same i almost think the same thing for netflix it wants to appear more premium than potentially Again, Amazon Prime and Hulu are the main examples I think of that do use ads to subsidize and or just throws in ads for fun. Like even if you're a paying customer, you probably get occasional like very annoying 10 second, you know, Amazon Prime original ads and that you can skip whatever. So I think that Amazon and Hulu are more shameless in the fact that like, well, we're already, you know, making so much money and we're already, you know, maybe not the most respected and and we're just going to sort of go all the way. And we didn't even talk about Apple TV Plus, but the, clearly the strategy there is that they don't want to junk that up with advertisements either because you're paying for like the sleek Apple ecosystem so you can walk around in your white house with your AirPods <laughs> headphones and your AirPods Pro Max and everything and mm-hmm. you know you can connect those to the TV. So it's very much like what type of company are you?
1: In my advertising class uh, this just past week, we talked about content marketing, uh, which is just when a company will make content that they can like make content themselves that promotes what they what they are and mm-hmm. so I, I made the example of apple in class because apple is using apple tv plus to get people to buy their products it's just another another reason to be in the ecosystem
0: and when they get the products they will have hey this flash screen's going hey try apple tv so it's just this giant cycle of like money 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 money
1: there's not a lot of great stuff on apple tv plus right now to my knowledge there's just a couple of things but once they get their footing and i think that they will uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. You know what I mean.
0: And one other thing with Tenet, while we're on the subject of TV, I kept forgetting to mention every time of the many times we talked about Tenet. So I'll just mention it now. There are these really good 3D explainer videos. They're by a YouTube channel called Well B Coffee Spill. Basically, if you go watch his or her explainer videos, it'll be these 3D models of certain scenes from Tenet that show forward and backwards time, and everyone's color code, and it shows like who's going where and who's going. You know underground and above ground and who's getting shot where so those are you know again it's still confusing but those will help you so for example joe you mentioned that some of the tenant scenes were confusing i'd recommend going to that channel and checking things out
1: yes i will totally 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 be doing that
0: (laughs) so because we have one more slot left for a short topic, I'm going to do something that I've wanted to do for a while, but haven't really had the time to fit it in. It's something I want to call brain breakers or like emergency conversation starters. And if you're like in an environment where you want to get some conversations going and have people like feel super weirded out and get like people talking for a long time, you'll ask them some of these questions and that will be a good way to do it. And it's better than like, you know, what's the weather out there? Like that doesn't that doesn't do anything. Don't ask people what the weather is. That's terrible. So the questions I'm going to propose to Joe and then I'm going to answer for myself If they're the same, it creates an interesting reaction. And if they're different, it creates an interesting reaction. So here we go. Question number one. From what perspective are your memories? Third person or first person or something else?
1: Uh, That's it's a weird question. I think, honestly, when I think about it, if it's a real memory, like if it's really something that I remember, it's from the first person. But if it's something that I like kind of remember, but like needs some help remembering, I think it's third person. So I guess both. But more often than not, it's from the first person, I think.
0: Yes, I'm only first person. I don't think I have any third person memories. It's just exactly what what i saw in the moment and you know if i looked over there and knew what it looked like then i know that i know what it looks like in the memory and so on Mm -hmm. i think my earliest memory is third person but again it's abstract you almost can't really tell exactly my earliest memory is playing with toys in the basement with my grandpa maybe there's an earlier one but that's really all i can get if i'm trying to go back i'm not very clear on that one i'm just imagining what it would have been like for us to be sitting on the ground and playing with toys and stuff exactly so That's obviously it's really hazy, but I think that's the like. Let me quickly go through all my memories. Obviously, but Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's the only one that could be considered third person.
1: Yeah, I would agree.
0: Next one, do you think audibly, aka when you're okay? Well, these are do you think audibly and do you read audibly or subtly? Different questions. When you think audibly, is it like you're going about your day? Is there a voice inside your head, and are your thoughts like somewhat complete sentences?
1: See, this is interesting (laughs) because it depends. Okay, because (laughs) sometimes. Like, when you just asked that question, in my head, I was like, yes. I said yes.
0: But is that only because you're in a conversational environment that requires that you synthesize words in the speech?
1: Uh,
0: Had you been alone, would the thought yes just sort of be a vague impression of yes?
1: See, okay, okay. That's a good point because I think. So, okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Uh, have you seen. What is it called? Um, about aliens and they look like octopi and they speak in circles. And it's with Amy Adams and Arrival. Arrival. It's Arrival. Have you seen uh, that? Okay,
0: Nope. Never seen Arrival. Sorry to disappoint that. But please tell the what you're going to tell.
1: Yeah. The example I'm trying to make is that these aliens come down and they speak, they communicate in these like these circles. Like, you know how we read a word and we look at all the letters and all the letters make a word. Yeah. Yeah. They would look at a, at one of those circle things and just like take it all in and that would mean something to them. And so sometimes I think in my in my head, it's like it's more of this like feeling that I'm feeling and I just make decisions based on that. But also, it's hard to think about your thinking when you haven't been thinking about your thinking.
0: Yeah, that's the problem. By observing it, you usually break it. So now you have no idea,
1: (laughs) which means that we'll never know because it's not observable by anybody else but ourselves. And if we observe it, then we break it.
0: I think what I do is, well, first of all, I don't think audibly. A.K. I don't hear a voice in my head. I occasionally think in complete sentences, although usually not. And when in a social environment, always think in complete sentences because it needs to get ready to get sent out <laughs> to the people listening. So for that reason, I will. But you know, the longer I'm alone and so on, I, the more abstract things will become. And then the second you pay attention, it all breaks down and you don't know anymore. But that's what I think is happening. And the most interesting one that is, you know, <laughs> save the best for last, is it, do you read audibly? And again, this is when you pay attention, things get messed up. If you do it, you will 100% know. If you don't do it, you will not be sure. So for that reason, I do not read audibly.
1: You don't? (laughs) What? I totally do.
0: (laughs) I had you in the first half. I do. No, I absolutely do not read audibly in any way.
1: How do you, like... Like, how does that work?
0: Like, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, man, this isn't great. So I see the words. There is no voice in my head that reads them. I just know what they are because I've been to, you know, school and know what the words mean. And then the meaning is conveyed to my brain. But there's never any audible stuff going on with that.
1: That is insane. Did, that Well, to me, from my perspective, I, I don't think I've ever... Like I was reading today, and I was like, like I was reading to myself in my head. That's just insane! Wow, I totally read audibly, by the way. And and by audibly,
0: listeners, we mean like you're. There's no sound coming out of your mouth, of course, but there's either a voice saying stuff in your head or not a voice saying stuff in your
1: head. Yes, yes. It, maybe it comes. I, I like to read out loud, like with my mouth, <laughs> as one does. You know, when we say audibly, yeah, I, I like to read out loud to people, and I like to be read out loud too. Um, and so maybe that's where it comes from, but. I I totally totally read audibly. That's crazy that you don't. Wow.
0: (laughs) Okay, I've actually have a couple of questions. In the official term for this, which again, show notes, probably Wikipedia article because Wikipedia is great. Will be subvocalization. Either you do subvocalize, you hear a voice in your head, or you do not subvocalize, you do not hear a voice in your head. What does it sound like? Is I mean, I don't know what it's really like. Is that your voice? Is that computer generated voice? Is that a British man?
1: (laughs) You know, actually, it depends. Okay. I'm not dodging the question, but it does depend because here's an example. So I did cross country in high school and when I would run, I would hear the voice, uh, like when I would get tired, I would hear the voice of either my coach or some guys that were older than me that like really were encouraging to me and Mm -hmm. so i would hear their voice in my head telling me that i could go faster yeah right and it was just me but like it would be in their voice you know
0: and same thing to reading
1: well oh i've never thought about if i like mentally assign voices to people in a book
0: that's what i was asking i was saying like is in your head is it your own voice that's reading it or can you not really tell because when you observe it it breaks down
1: well I don't know i I think it's me I think it's just me like it's just my voice okay fair enough yeah that works but I will pay attention and see if I notice anything and hopefully that it <laughs> hopefully it doesn't break
0: everyone no matter what when they pay attention they will probably hear something audibly but again if you know you know <laughs> and you'll you'll know what you do when you're
1: not being observed by mm-hmm. yourself okay I actually have a question yeah go for it this is not related well it is related but I had a dream last night Uh-oh. and in this dream, I don't remember a lot about it, but I do remember that someone spoke in Spanish to me. And my question is to you, does that mean that like subconsciously I know Spanish because everything in my dreams come from my brain, right? So how would that happen?
0: <laughs> I don't want to disappoint you, Joe, but I think what actually happened is the part of your brain that understands speech was active and thought it heard Spanish but all it was was like the impression that you heard Spanish, if that makes any sense. There was never any Spanish speaking or cognition going on. It was just that the the part of your brain that does understand and speak some Spanish was active. And it's like, because what did they say in Spanish?
1: See, I don't remember. I do remember that I recognized some words, but not all the words. So for all you
0: know, they just said Adios. And como estas and stuff, and then it was like your brain was like, I remember Spanish, and then you're you're because you don't remember, you're like thinking that it was more advanced than it was. Again, I don't know your inner psyche or anything. I just for for the weird stuff that's happened in dreams, it makes me think I'm really talented. It's like, well, because I can't remember the specifics, I don't think I'm really talented after all, even though I wish I was. Okay, I think that might be happening, but you know, I'm open to other ideas.
1: Well, no, I mean that that does make sense because I'm not fluent in Spanish, unfortunately. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting because I was like, well. Everything in my dreams comes from my brain, and if he was talking to me in Spanish, then Spanish is in my brain, which is not a lie. Like, I know some Spanish, but not... I don't
0: know. It's it's weird. Does that ever happen to you? <laughs> no, my dreams are the most stupid things in the entire world. Okay, so here's the thing: when you when people like to talk about their dreams, uh, it's always like obviously really sort of kind of dumb to hear about people's dreams because it's like who cares, whatever. But you know, at least it can be funny for the entertainment value. And so I will the only time I'll really talk about my dreams is when it's like this was this left an impression on me, not even a bad impression. It's just like something about this I'm still thinking about it. It's like you know eight hours later, 12 p.m., 1 p.m., whatever, and I'm still thinking about. It It's like I'll tell someone else and telling someone else i'll realize it's ridiculous and then it's like okay it will mostly leave me but if you've ever had the experience where like something in real life will trigger like a chain reaction you'll remember a giant chunk of what happened last night like you know if you did hear something in spanish maybe that again for example purposes trigger something where you remember what happened last time and i can kind of like get away from this urge to tell people what it is by just writing it down in notes mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. on may 27 <laughs> here was my dream get ready for this all the apps on my phone had long colored destructions the folders were horizontal and looked pretty cool
1: okay <laughs> that's cool
0: this was a dream in september story where someone discovers the cure to cancer but they're stuck in a rocket ship it seemed profound at the time
1: but hey that that's that's profound
0: <laughs> no it, it was where it was where they were they had the cure for cancer but they were stuck in a rocket ship going away from earth
1: uh...
0: and so they couldn't possibly get get it, any communication mm. between them it seemed ro- really sad and dramatic and profound at the
1: time yeah that, that's profound and sad yeah that's good
0: <laughs> and so that's why i wrote it down and what else i oh i keep because i listen to C G gray podcasts, i keep having like recurring dreams or either i'll go to his office like and he'll be working on a video and stuff and recording podcasts in his own office and then i'll like see what he looks like and be like that's not <laughs> what i thought you looked like that was weird and yeah so that's kind of he's kind of a recurring character around here
1: huh he's he's good if you don't check him out you should check him out because he's great
0: yeah and i don't think you've ever been in in a dream of mine although you know i'll let you know if things change
1: yes do that (laughs) I, i have a list of my dreams as well but i don't think they're worth mentioning so we can just
0: yeah it's up to you dreams are very personal but it's okay if people know that i had a had a dream where there was this rocket ship that had the cure to cancer and it you know it seemed so profound i woke up and i was like i gotta write this down this is like this is the most crazy story ever yeah dreams are weird
1: yeah it sort of seems like a twilight zone sort of a, a story you know yeah
0: absolutely one of those like really low quality low budget twilight zone episodes whatever will we do yep
1: <laughs>
0: yep so dreams are weird brains are weird